0: Welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality. It's Sydney DeLorean, and I'm here with Zach Bird. What's up, Zach?
1: Hey, how's it going?
0: Oh, it's going pretty good. Are you excited for today's show?
1: I am super excited.
0: All right. We're doing a show about JT Leroy, and for those of you who haven't heard about this scandal, buckle up, because it's a crazy story. Um, I was somewhat familiar with it because... Two years ago a documentary came out about it and one of the main figures was on Mark Marin's podcast to promote it. And she's bananas and I got into it. Um, but we decided to cover it now because just uh, this month a new movie came out uh, called JT LeRoy and it stars my doppelganger <laughs> Laura Dern um and everyone's lesbian uh, wannabe lover Kirsten Stewart. So Is it
1: Kristen Stewart or
0: I don't know. Listen, when you're that hot, yeah. people don't know your name. They just know they want to lick it.
1: Yeah. She's not my type.
0: Yeah, you're not a lesbian.
1: Yeah, that's true. I, I like Laura, Laura Dern more. <laughs> I know. Clearly. <laughs>
0: Hence the uh, crux of our relationship. Yes. Um, so, yeah, we're going to do uh, a show about JT Leroy. And um, we did a lot of research for this one.
1: Yeah, I blame me for that. We, we watched... Uh, The documentary first, which you had seen, then we watched the movie with Laura Dern and Crust and Stewart, I believe is their name, and then we watched, I saw that there's The Cult of J.T. Leroy. So we watched that. And I was like, well, we might as well be thorough.
0: I'm impressed. I really feel like you are getting into the pod game. You're getting into doing uh, aggressive my, research.
1: My pod legs. Well, also, I was just interested in it. Yeah. And I was hoping for more of Savannah. Well, we'll get into that. But yeah, more stuff on her. Um, yeah, I, that was my favorite. So I'm glad we watched that. Spoiler alert. That one was my favorite.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Wow. I'm just going to start at the beginning because that's the yeah. only way I know how to make sense of information. Um, so this lady, Laura Victoria Albert, was born in 1965 and she had a rocky childhood in and out of group homes and stuff um, and got really into calling suicide hotlines.
1: Did you call her Victoria Albert? It's Laura, Laura Victoria oh, Albert. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry.
0: She owns the Victoria Albert Museum. Okay, that's a joke. Okay. Um, So, she, uh, as a young person, she feels like her parents are divorced. She's being raised by a single mom, different boyfriends in the equation. She allegedly was uh, sexually abused by some of these boyfriends. Um, She's chubby. She's insecure. She's in and out of group homes. And she becomes a ward of the state, I think, at 15 or 16 and spends the rest of her childhood in a group home. And,. During this time, she got into calling suicide hotlines, and she says she would pretend to be different people when she called because um, she just wasn't comfortable calling as herself. She was kind of uncomfortable with herself. She was chubby and thought no one cared or would listen to her, and she said in one interview that um, her she was her problems were given more credence or people listen to her more on the suicide hotlines if she called in claiming to be a boy and so this comes into play later on in the story um but she does go on to go to college she gets a degree in writing and um moves to san francisco and is working as a phone sex operator And this is in the nineties now, so she's in San Francisco, she's working as a phone sex operator, she's living with her partner, Jeff Nope. Nope.
1: K-N-O-O-P. Okay, Jeff Noop. Yeah.
0: And we hate him just because it's Jeff with a G. Like, you
1: hate him more than I do, but I don't, I'm not crazy about him either.
0: This is the thing about her boyfriend, and we just, anyone of a certain era can understand what I'm talking about. These sort of skater boys of the 90s who never grew up, so now they're 45, and they still talk like a 15 year old. And um, my example I gave when I was bitching about him was he reminded me a lot of, uh, dave Grohl, yeah just because i loved that documentary sound city it's a really good documentary but at times dave Grohl's narration you're just like dude you're in your 40s why do you talk like this right. like, oh man it's like so cool right <laughs> like oh my god <laughs> and you're like all right <laughs> fucking tony hawk <laughs> <laughs> well, but but that's what jeff no- noop is like
1: but w- m- more annoying yeah, he's yeah. definitely
0: more, he's, like, dopey.
1: And he has a shitty haircut, too.
0: Yeah, I could I could see Jason Bateman doing a really funny job playing him in a movie.
1: He almost is, like, a douchier version of Jason Bateman from Juno, right?
0: Yeah, he's definitely a douchier uh, version. And they kind of, these people, they, like, had this 90s alt thing where... It's like, oh, we're so alt, we're so alternative. Oh my God, like, oh, we're so edgy. But it was like all a bunch of white people. And I say this as someone who came of age in the '90s as a white person. Like, all of our alt media was people be like, oh, it's so dark, and we we were all upset and depressed. And I don't really know what we were upset about.
1: uh, Like, is a self-proclaimed punk. She says this like 80 times between the three (laughs) document or three movies and really whenever any band names are dropped it's like nothing that's like a, like an underground band at all it's like garbage smashing pumpkin it's and then this is It definitely too- comes
0: into play later on because she's like a self-proclaimed punk she was part of the skinhead scene when she was a teenager but then as her fame developed she definitely was a social ladder climber mm-hmm. and so yeah it did become these bands that were like just like the 90s all rock but like they were mainstream at the time
1: yeah so it's, it's i don't know that she has much punk credibility is what i'm saying but i mean maybe for what she did well also but.
0: yeah if you're i think she's talking about like her roots so 80s and 90s you're in halfway houses you're like writing for punk magazines you're working as a phone sex operator she also in the 90s um, came to had was a fairly successful freelance uh, sexpert Writing career under right. the name Laura Victoria. Okay. Um. And so she was a successful writer in other regards.
1: She's just confused, like, homeless with punk. <laughs> She's like, I'm so punk.
0: Well, that was the other thing right. is in the 90s, we were all rejecting society where it was, like, cool and somewhat, like, enviable to be homeless and on heroin. And, like, it, it's almost like the depravity was, like... I don't know. In a way, like, glamorized. I've seen Rent yeah. a million times. Like I, I wore that soundtrack out as a child because you're just like, yeah, that's the life—is having AIDS and living in a like squatting in a loft, and you know, right. the '90s were a weird time where, like, I think basically like privileged, uh, people fetishized. Struggle. Struggle. Yeah. And it was like, yeah, like, oh, I just it's this darkness inside of me. And like also everyone was congested in the nineties, <laughs> if you base it on my impression. Um, but so yeah, so it's it's the nineties, they're in San Francisco. Uh it's Laura and her partner Jeff. They fancy themselves alternative people, he's a musician. Um, like just like a fucking guitar guy and uh i can't with that um and um they laura is still calling the hotlines so this is years into it the interesting thing about the first documentary we, we watched author the jt leroy story is she recorded all of these phone calls yeah. so they have the record of it which is it makes for a really good documentary yeah. like Um, but, uh, so she's still calling hotlines and she calls this one hotline and she gets this doctor on the line, Dr. Terry Owen, and she's calling in, you know, she's in her thirties at this point. I think she'd already had a child and she's calling in saying she's like a 14 year old homeless male prostitute. And the doctor asks her what the name is and she says Terminator and, um, She said she often would call in with different personalities and they never, quote unquote, survived. But somehow Terminator did. And I almost feel like this doctor, Dr. Terrence Owens, deserves a co-writing credit because he... They would talk on the phone seven days a week for years. And I feel like he evoked a lot of the storytelling out of this character.
1: And he's the one supposedly that pushed her to start writing.
0: Yes. So he says... her like well maybe like have you considered writing you should write your feelings down and Laura says she's basically taken over by Terminator and she just starts writing and writing and writing and she's faxing her writings to this doctor at one point she had she herself delivers pages that she wrote as Terminator to the hospital that the doctor works at and she shows up and She's thinking, oh my God, who how do I explain who I am? How'd I get here? Oh, I rode my bike really fast. Oh, my name is Speedy. And Speedy has a British accent. And she's like, Oh yeah, like I can't. So
1: shitty. It's like such a it's shitty. It's basically what Sydney just did. Oi, she says yeah, all she, the time. All,
0: yeah, Speedy's always saying, Oi. And she's like, Oh, here's my riding. mate like it's not great. And, and the and... fact
1: that she just named, oh, I went over there really quick. So I'm Speedy. I mean if that's any indication of what her writing is like, I almost want to read her books just to see how bad they are.
0: Well, and the thing is, I kind of almost can respect that, like, because her books, which we have not read... All the reviews say they have this element of like magical realism to them, and I kind of like she is flying by the seat of her pants. And she says when she's writing, she's never quite sure where they're going. Like she's not writing with an outline because it's almost like she's channel- channeling this other being, and that can lead to like really interesting writing, stream of consciousness. It also can lead to like really shitty writing.
1: Yeah, I mean that's those are the reviews I saw on on Goodreads. Are like yeah, this is horrible. It, it you know it's it's It would be good if, for a 15 year old, if a 15 year old actually wrote this, then it would be an accomplishment. But since this is an older woman, it's kind of like. Well, and that's what, yeah, yeah.
0: That's what a lot of people said after the fact. So. At this point in our timeline, she's not published yet, but she's talking to this suicide hotline therapist every day, and he's encouraging her to write. And she's writing a lot, and this character of Terminator has stuck around. And then what she starts to do is she starts reaching out to authors, like that she respects their style of writing. And the main one that the writing was compared to was Dennis Cooper. And she got in touch with him, developed a phone relationship with him and like faxed him pages and he was thinking like you know he said as an author you always dread when someone says will you read what i wrote and then these pages came through and they were amazing and so it's almost like she scammed by saying i'm a homeless 14 year old hustler which is what she said and she also said you know I um I have a fax machine and I found this bathroom where people are shooting up in, but it has like a phone line connection. So while other people are in there fixing, I'm in there faxing. But she basically scammed her way into getting the best apprenticeships or like mentorships ever. Right. Because right? Right. can you imagine like, listen, I've I tweeted a question about microphones to Stephen Ray Morris because he produces a lot of podcasts very well. And I was curious what microphones he used with the recorder that I have. And he didn't answer me because he's got thousands of people contacting him all the time. if
1: you kept up like a correspondence with him, that'd be great. If it
0: was like, oh, you know, I'm 12 years old. I have cancer. I'm obsessed with podcasts what you know, and so what JT said was I'm homeless, I'm a gay hustler, I was raised by a prostitute, I have HIV and under that premise suckered people into his realm where now like basically Laura is built relationships with all of the best authors who are successful doing what she wants to be doing. she's now in their orbit yeah. and would she have been able to get into their orbit and get, those mentorships or relationships or industry connections. If she said I'm a 35 year old 320 pound woman, right? like I'm a mom, I'm a sex phone person. And I, I don't know. Like yeah, I probably not, probably not. And so that's where I kind of respect her because
1: although go ahead,
0: because, because she built these relationships She ended up getting the first story published under the name Terminator in 1997, and the story was called Baby Doll, and it was published in an anthology that really took off. And so then Terminator ended up getting offered a book contract, and allegedly there was an initial book contract, and she wrote the book and wasn't happy with it and backed out of the contract and then wrote another book, which was published in a different deal in the year 2000. And that one was called Sarah. And it was published as a novel, but it was, like, theoretically based on the real-life experiences of Jeremiah Terminator Leroy, who was the son of a truck stop prostitute. And it became a literary sensation. Um, And the funny thing about that is, in the book, the main character is a truck stop prostitute who wears a raccoon penis bone necklace. And in the book, it said, like, these are... A sign of like the truck stop elite whatever and so they ended up selling autographed JT Leroy raccoon penis bone necklaces and so JT Leroy wasn't doing press like he was interviewed on fresh air with Terry Gross there was like phone interviews but no one had met him and he was very reclusive so celebrities would do the book readings for him and there's all this footage of like courtney love and sandra bernhardt and like whoever wearing raccoon penis bone necklaces reading from this fucking book yeah which is, it's just a funny merchandising thing right. to me like the fact that this book people connected to and were like i also want to wear this meaningful thing on my neck like i d- you know what i'm saying
1: yeah it, it just kind of shows um how stupid celebrities can be too
0: well and just people in general like because i don't even wear i mean i'm not like a meaningful jewelry person so i'm not like oh i'm gonna wear this turquoise because it makes me feel closer to the earth and my aunt my native ancestors or whatever like i'm just not that person
1: it really is kind of an emperor's emperor's clothes sort of story though right yeah it's it's just like yeah, no, that's not who it is.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, and the thing is, and we'll move forward in the timeline eventually, but like I'm glad we watched all the documentaries because based on Laura Albert on Mark Marin, she's a very smart person but also off her fucking rocker. Yeah. Like she's very manic and all over the place on that show. And Marin does a great job of talking to her cuz yeah. he's a great interviewer. Um, And then the movie that she was a part of, author, the JT Leroy story, she comes off a lot more sane in that one, but like she participated in it and they edited it in a way that makes it, she seems more like reasonable about what she's doing. Right. And then the other documentary, The Cult of JT Leroy, it interviews Savannah, her cousin, who... Eventually ends up playing the public version of J.T. Leroy, and it interviews her ex-partner Jeff Noop, who is wait.
1: Sav- it did, they didn't interview Savannah in the Cult of J.T. Leroy.
0: They showed interviews with her,
1: but the but it wasn't.
0: She wasn't interviewed for the documentary. For the documentary, okay, yeah. yeah. But in it, Laura Albert comes off as a lot crazier
1: oh yeah because they that's why it's called the cult of jt leroy is because of all of the authors that she had made a, into this yeah circle. that she had a relationship with all these authors um where she was talking to them all on the phone and so it was interviews a lot with them and yeah they all are just like yeah she She's out there, <laughs>
0: and also they say she's very controlling. Yeah, and she likes to control people. So okay, I guess I'll just move into like the the main thing that made this super scandalous. Because at this point, we have a reclusive author, J.T. Leroy. He's publishing books, right? And he's a literary sensation. Um, so the book Sarah comes out in two thousand, and uh, the second book, The Heart Is Deceitful Above All Things, comes out in 2001 and at this point there's such like a clamor the books are being published in like every language they're blowing up all over the world and people are clamoring to see and meet JT Leroy and I think this is where Laura fucked up is rather than just staying a reclusive mystery she decided to get her her boyfriend Jeff's sister Savannah who kind of looked like the vision that she painted of JT. She said, Hey Savannah, you let's put a wig and glasses on you and have you start doing the public appearances. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And this is where it gets crazy because basically they're like, Oh, well JT's shy. So he wears this, you know, oversized wig and sunglasses. Um, so And he doesn't really like to talk. He's nervous. So he would like show up, but not say a lot of words. And Savannah would like listen to the interviews with JT to try to get the speech down. But all of a sudden, now them as a trio because, okay, Laura is claiming to be Speedy, JT's manager.
1: Slash Speedy, whose actual name is... Actual end quotes is Emily Frazier, yes.
0: Right? So, Speedy is Emily Frazier, played by Laura Albert, and then Jeff Noop is playing Aster, mm-hmm. Speedy's partner. But it is said that Aster used to have a sexual thing with JT, which is how they know each other.
1: So involved,
0: and then they all now that Aster. And Speedy are a couple, but they kind of adopted JT to get him off the streets. So he now lives with them. This is the narrative they're painting. And so they're touring all around. They're going to book readings, they're pitching, they're taking uh, meetings about like movies, they're doing magazine spreads under the guise that they are this weird, you know, family that has developed of this couple and they've adopted this poor street boy. And People are kind of noticing when they go places, when they ask JT a question, Speedy answers. And Laura, who was, after she had her child, she was over 300 pounds. And she said, you know, she always felt like she did these characters as avatars because she was fat and embarrassed. And she said, the
1: classic catfish tale.
0: Yes. And she said she likes playing Speedy because Speedy is so like, domineering and she can just be like oh i know let me get in there i want to talk and blah 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 blah. and like speedy like is like i guess like an overwhelming personality and domineering and it kind of helped her get out of her shell um because she was embarrassed she was a fat you know because she was fat and then at, at one point um she gets gastric she's diagnosed as pre-diabetes i hear you girl i got that insulin resistance i got that high a1c i see you but at some point she gets um gastric bypass surgery and she loses weight and becomes thin and i think this is where some of the problems evolved because it seems like laura was getting jealous of savannah as jt's Success because they would go places and they'd be hobnobbing with celebrities um, and they would all just want to talk to JT and Laura felt left out. Yeah. And also like she didn't want JT to get too far away from her because she's doesn't want him to say things, you know,
1: the wrong thing, blow their cover, yeah,
0: blow their cover or agree to deals or whatever that she doesn't want to. And. Like they they go to Europe because Asia Argento wants to option it as a film, and God, I fucking hate Asia Argento Um, because she basically seduces Savannah slash JT in order to get the movie rights, and is like very like I want the rights to make this movie, and I'm gonna get them by any means necessary. So I'm gonna seduce this like fucked up hustler, you know, author kid. And um it, it's just kind of sketchy. And
1: so she knew that that it was actually a girl. Well that
0: and that's what Laura said when the scandal came out and Aja was like, Oh my god, I can't believe it. And Laura goes, What, you didn't figure it out when you saw her pussy? Right. Like, you know, I and it seems like a lot of people kind of had suspicions along the way.
1: It it looks like a cute girl. Yeah like right
0: yeah and then sometimes they would say oh well um you know jt th- th- through some abuse in its youth had his testicles mangled and that's why he never went into puberty and that's why he looks more feminine there was all these like weird things but it also it was very much prime at the time like this sort of cuz this is the area of gen- the era of like gender queer and gender fuck yeah and so like you have this very gender queer person who's wearing, you know, sometimes dresses, sometimes male clothes. Right. Like they're very much in that vein. And they were doing, um, they were getting like magazine spreads, like fashion spreads and stuff. Um, people like were obsessed with this, like, you know, male, female, gender fluid, whatever. And it wasn't like as much in the dialogue as it is now. Um,
1: but there, it was a little bit.
0: It was a little bit. I mean, I definitely went to, like, gender fuck parties in the 90s. Well, and it
1: made sense that um, he would be kind of confused because he was supposedly this prostitute and grew up in this, had this horrible upbringing. And
0: the prostitute mom would put makeup on him right. and a wig and say, see, you're pretty. You were meant to be a little girl. Right.
1: Um, so somebody, another famous person that she may or may not have hooked up with, but at least made out with was Michael Pitt, who was in the show Boardwalk Empire, played one of the main characters, uh, I guess was doing some movie with Gus Van Sant. He
0: was in, um, Elephant, the one there about Columbine and B- JT had become friends with Gus Van Zandt Gus Van Zandt had optioned the film rights to Sarah, which ended up not getting made. But they had built a relationship nonetheless. And um, JT Leroy, quote unquote, had helped with some writing or outlining of Elephant, um, like has a production credit. And so they met Michael Pitt. And I'm so- I'm sorry I farted, baby. Oh, I don't
1: smell it. You were um, sniffling and I, I thought that's that just, was. No, okay. I wasn't in response. Uh. But yeah, so uh, also, I know this is getting ahead of us, but just since we're talking about the writing, supposedly Laura Albert or JT Leroy, whatever, wrote on Deadwood. But if you look up Deadwood, I can't find any writing We didn't look
0: very hard. She did... Right on it though and she did
1: i i looked enough to where you w- should yeah. see it i looked through every episode if, if you go to the deadwood television series uh, and you click on writers it has all of the writers there's uh, like nothing, nothing she is
0: writing on the the movie that's coming i out. clicked
1: on that too and there's nothing it just says um david milch i believe um and so but that's
0: also the way writers rooms work is like they you don't get credit. Ha- not everyone gets credit in the same way because, like, basically one person will be the writer on an episode, meaning they like outlined it, but like there's a writer's room of people working on it. And then like one person gets credit because they refined it. But a lot it. of
1: times you'll see an episode it says like four writers. Yeah. So it, on on any one of the episodes that I clicked on, it'd be like three writers listed, and none of them. I'm just saying.
0: But she we saw footage of her on the Deadwood set I'm and not David Milch has done interviews saying she worked on the show. I'm not I'm
1: not denying that. I just I'd like to know what episode exactly oh, was gotcha. cuz especially cuz we we were thinking about watching the 3rd season to you know gear up for the movie. Uh uh-huh. and it would be it would be interesting to know which one she worked on and uh yeah.
0: Well, if anyone knows, let us know, and we'll look into it. We'll
1: dig a little bit deeper. Yeah,
0: but she did. I mean, she did write on it or work on it.
1: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not disputing that. But it. But maybe she worked on it and it got scrapped too. You never. Yeah. No. So I'm. I'm curious. I don't just believe for sure. Like, oh, she. She worked on it. You know. Well,
0: I wouldn't believe it just because she said it, but I because David Milch has spoken about it, I believe it. Sure. Um, so, so this Savannah playing JT started in 2001 and it just sets off this whole thing of like, they're hanging out with Courtney Love, they're hanging out with Winona Ryder, they're hanging out with the Smashing Pumpkins, and this is where it gets really good because they're all at a party together, you know, Savannah slash JT, Speedy slash Laura jeff slash Aster, and they're really connect and laura is really connecting with billy corgan and they end up in like a hotel room talking and Laura. this is my favorite thing um that laura albert says is she goes you know when you meet someone who just speaks your dialect and it's not common when people speak like our dialect
1: well it's just it reeks of just like hollywood shit or it's like i know that we're special so we're in the elite club and you get what i'm saying but most normal people wouldn't because they're on a lower plane i yeah lower intellect you know
0: i hate people who are super pretentious about art because i just believe that art should have layers and it should be publicly accessible and just to talk about it like no one could possibly get this other than us is like i don't enjoy that um But anyways, her and Billy Corgan end up at a hotel room, and they're, like, laying in bed, talking, connecting, and she reveals to Billy Corgan, like, oh, I am JT. And he's like, I kind of suspected, like, but I don't know everything. And she says they stayed up all night with her filling in the details of what's happening. And
1: Well, the, <laughs> the reason is because... Uh, Savannah slash JT Leroy actually was supposed to show up at the show but Uh only Laura did remember so Billy was like hey where's JT Uh and she's like JT's not here I'm kind of she, she sort of confessed a little bit, and he goes, oh, I get it. I don't get all the details, but okay. And then he was just super understanding about it. And to which I was saying to you, I go, can you imagine the book that Billy Corgan must write? Because, I mean, he kept that a secret. Like, yeah. the people just must confide in him all of these weird things man he was in a weird scene which also courtney love was a part of and
0: and i should i should preface this by saying okay so at this point laura has had the gastric bypass she's skinny she's attractive she's also wearing fashionable clothes and this point i think is like she's getting jealous of savannah because she also wants to be in the spot like savannah aka jt has become a media darling on her talent basically and so she's like jealous and so she and Jeff are playing in this terrible band and they're saying lyrics by JT Leroy and they're it's just very awkward to watch What's... her on stage because she's performing as Speedy aka Emily Fraser and she's singing in a British accent and it's it's not great
1: she does these yeah these banter uh in the British accent that's just horrible but so, yeah, even when they're saying that j t. Leroy wrote these lyrics j t. Leroy's promoting the hell out of this band wearing the shirts and everything they still can't no it, that's how bad the band sucked that yeah. nobody could have forced this to be cool like anybody could have said, listen, this band's great, and everyone collectively would have went nah no <laughs> like by the way, really quick, what was the were they called thistle i think
0: I think they were called thistle
1: but and then in the the movie with Laura Dern, they were called like Twist and Scream or something.
0: Something like that. Yeah. But um yeah, so they're they're hanging out, they're trying to get famous on the back of J.T. LeRoy. And the best part about it is it's alluded to that Laura had an affair with Billy Corgan. And then Jeff is like yeah, it was, like, so <laughs> cool. Like, I was asking him, like, on this song. Oh, they they actually had uh, cassette recordings because Laura's like, uh, like, let me put Jeff on the phone and talk to you. And Billy's like, sure, whatever. And then Jeff's like, oh, like did you use this pedal on this Is that a song? fuzz pedal? And yeah. Billy's just like, no, that's not what we used. Well, and it he, sounded
1: and- really cool. It was like the grunge version of uh, Chris Farley. Oh, doing those SNL interviews. Like, do you remember when you were in that movie that was so cool yeah that's big that, he, that he was, was just like
0: exactly what it was and i felt awkward and embarrassed for him because it was just like he, it was him asking technical music stuff like trying to talk technical music stuff to billy corgan he's
1: just like i'm just i'm just trying to fuck your wife well dude. and also
0: like he was wrong like he didn't know what yeah. he was talking about and so it was just a lot of billy being like no i don't know i don't know what why you're hearing that but that's not yeah, what that was yeah yeah and it's just like you're like, oh, man. Uh. Uh. And then in an interview, Jeff was like, it was like really cool. I got to talk to Billy Corgan. I mean, uh. And like both of us are like, yeah. And all you had to do was let him fuck your wife. And yeah, so he
1: thought it was cool for a time. And then uh, eventually he gets tired of that because it, um, Laura is spending a lot of time with Billy. And then he goes pounding on the door, right? Like, I'm just looking for my fucking wife. Right? Did he do that? There was some sort of blow up where he uh, barged in. And they didn't elaborate too much on that.
0: Um, Yeah, it just...
1: And this is all from the uh, author, the JT Leroy story. Right? All of the stuff we're talking about. Or have we hopped along, around a little bit?
0: From... I mean, no. I think we're like all... Because it's almost like... Everything just like sped up and got crazy at this time in their yeah. life. And Savannah apparently after like six weeks of doing it was like, I don't want to do this anymore. But they talked her back into it and was like, Come on, we'll pay you a thousand dollars a day to go do this thing with us. And she's like, Yeah. And in her uh in her book she says that she kind of like she got addicted to it because after being JT yeah. her own life wasn't that interesting she's just like a waitress in San Francisco yeah
1: i get it i mean it, it looked you have all these famous people not only you know who are you're hanging out with all these famous people going to cool shows and things like that traveling the world So it's not only that, but they're actually kissing your ass. And you're hooking up with some of them. Yeah, like just being like,
0: she... Okay, so I should stop saying she because currently... I don't really know that this was a thing back then, but currently she uses the pronoun they um, and is like gender, queer, or fluid. But Savannah does. Savannah does. Um, But at the time, they had a boyfriend in San Francisco, but then... They would go be JT and fuck Asia Argento. But then Asia like did some fucked up shit where it was like, oh yeah, just crash here tonight on my sofa sleeper while I go fuck this dude in my bedroom. Yeah. Like, so uh, interesting aside too, during the filming of uh The Heart is Deceitful above all things, which did get made, one of the young actors in the movie Uh, during the filming of it, Asia allegedly had sex with him or or coerced him into having sex with her. And it was two months after he turned 17. And so when she went public last year with her Me Too stuff, uh, this guy reached out and was like, how can you possibly, you know, come forward and say this bad stuff and be like condemning abusers when you yourself are an abuser? And, um... Anthony Bourdain, who was dating Aja at the time, paid this accuser off $380,000 to not mention it. And so then there was like some infighting in the Me Too movement where some of the like leaders of it were like, Aja, like, sorry, we don't want you part of our movement anymore because, you know, you fucked a child. You were 35. He was 17. And like... There was there was some drama there. So you
1: said um some people believe that she had something to do with uh, Anthony Bourdain's death?
0: Well, a lot of people think she she got a lot of shit on the internet because they were dating at the time of his death, and he had been married a long time and divorced, and then he booed up with Aja and was so in love with her, and like it seemed like, you know, she kinda was his world, and then two months before he killed himself she was caught cheating and so a lot of people say like
1: in a roundabout way there was
0: some drama in that relationship and maybe she even knew that he wasn't doing well mentally and like you know that she was causing him emotional pain and maybe not alerting people in his life that he was not okay
1: yeah it's kind of like with kurt and courtney you're like well do i think courtney love killed kurt cobain not necessarily but i I don't think she was the most positive influence
0: (laughs) yeah and um like i get it because Listen, that young pussy will fuck you up for sure. <laughs> if you're a recovering heroin addict, which he was, right. I'll tell you what will like reignite your addictive tendencies, that young pussy. Because she's like a beautiful woman. She's significantly younger than him. I bet she's wild and bad. You know how Europeans do.
1: Yeah, but you're Anthony Bourdain. He could probably have his pick. I, I, I mean,
0: he could have had me. You know what I'm saying? And he killed himself. Yeah. So I don't... Depression sucks, man, is yeah. all I'm saying. Yeah. Cause I would have Zach, I'm sorry. I didn't know you then. Yeah. I would have I would have let him tear it up. I know. Morning, noon, and night.
1: I remember uh this girl I was I was talking to on a singles site. I don't even this is so long ago, but she said this before Anthony bourdain yeah. was a huge thing. Mm-hmm. And um she was like, Yeah, I have the hots for him. And I was I thought she was talking about uh what's his name Andrew Zimmern the 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 fat guy that eats he has shaved head he also does like a travel show oh I don't know uh he he always eats like like the really exotic like dicks and yeah Yeah, okay I think his name's I don't know who you're talking about anyway I thought she was talking about him I go so you like him and me she's like yeah Ah. (laughs) and then I found out it was Anthony Bourdain I go oh okay uh, that makes yeah. sense.
0: I always thought of Anthony Bourdain as a taller Paul Reiser. They no. have very similar looks.
1: No, they, nobody likes Paul Reiser, but you... Babe.
0: Paul Reiser is trade, and that's just an established fact, that that's Paul Reiser is hashtag trade. Um,
1: Did you see, ever see him in the show called Married? No, he's good in it.
0: He's really good in Red Oaks. That's uh, when I realized he was hot because I didn't, I wasn't hot for Young Paul Reiser. But when he started doing Red Oaks, which was like 2015, I think on Amazon. Yeah. Number one, it takes place in the 80s, so there's some short shorts. Mm-hmm. Well, he
1: is dating or married to I forget Jenny Slate. Do, do you know yeah, she is uh-huh. in uh, the show Married? They're not oh. the main couple, but they're the main couples, like best friends, and he's a big part of it. And there, it shows him a little bit more. It, he's further away from his squeaky clean, like mad about you, the Paul yeah. Reiser that everyone thinks of. So I could kind of see it more in his role on on this show, which is also a fucking great show that had Brett Gelman and a bunch of other uh, great people in it. Um, but it got canceled, as most good shows. Yeah,
0: that's a shame.
1: Do but um, anyway. uh,
0: interesting fact: Paul Reiser's wife is named Paula. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. They met when she was waitressing at a comedy club. They've been married since they were like in their 20s. Nice. Yeah.
1: So, uh, and JT Leroy gave him a hand job. No. <laughs> that did not happen. <laughs> Who
0: wouldn't give Paul Reiser a hand job? You uh, know what I'm I saying? I mean,
1: like so many people.
0: Not anyone I want to associate <laughs> with.
1: If you don't jerk Paul Reiser and if you don't I don't know. Then uh, you're no friend of mine. mine. <laughs> um so yeah, where are we at? Sid on. Oh, no. Um,
0: okay, so all this is going on. There's like a shitty band, there's like a Jeff with a G. Uh there's they eventually people are like suspecting like this isn't right. And people are saying, um, well, some of these stories conflict and blah, 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 blah someone publishes an article casting doubt on the character pointing out some inconsistencies um, claiming it was an actor and people in San Francisco too were like we've never met JT Leroy and it's a small town and the queer community there has never met him and JT claims he doesn't hang out with the queer community he hangs out with the skinheads but people are like "Uh, there aren't any skinheads in San Francisco so like it's just it's weird that nobody in this city has seen this person. And the, before. these are all
1: things we're we're learning about more in the uh, the cult of J.T. Leroy yeah. documentary. Mm-hmm. So we might be hopping around from uh, the documentary. I'm
0: uh, yeah. I'm just trying to keep just them FYI, in chronological uh, yeah, order. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. So basically, there's there's whispers. There's whispers in the literary community. There's whispers in in the gay community in, gay community in San Francisco. And so August 2005, there's an article published casting doubt on the story. January 2006, um, someone finds a picture of Savannah at a party and publishes it and like is like, here's your JT Leroy. It's Savannah Noop. Um, and so that's the whole exposure of the story. In 2008, Savannah wrote a book called Girl Boy Girl, How I Became JT Leroy. And it talks about her experience, which is what the Laura Dern movie is based on, is that book. Um, and it's weird. I like this story because I'm I'm glad we watched all of the movies um, because, you know, it gives a really well-rounded picture. A right. lot of people villainized Laura Albert and were like, you exploited like gay, homeless, youth, HIV. Like you used all this to get to fame. Like you exploited this. And other people are like, Honestly, she figured out a way to crack the system where she was never going to become successful who she was. So she figured out a way to get people to listen to her. And then other people are like, I feel emotionally manipulated because when he would call me, it was like I was the only person in the world and he would say, oh, my gosh, like, I'm thinking about killing myself, blah, blah, blah. And so it, like, fucked people up. Like, these famous authors were interviewed saying, I lost nights of sleep because JT would say, oh, I'm going to go look for some rough sex now. And, yeah. um, I, and the, I'm going to
1: do go do aids things, you know.
0: Yeah, and so – and people are like, you know, I don't really have a problem, honestly, with the cracking the system and, like – creating a false identity to get well, your voice especially heard
1: especially if like she said in the first documentary which was more from laura's perspective she said it says fiction right here on the book so if that's true then yeah i think that kind of clears her of a lot of uh, i would think so but where did she get in trouble so she, she was
0: she had to pay back like uh, three
1: hundred fifty thousand or something it was like, like one
0: hundred thirty five thousand, and it was for the book rights to Sarah that were sold or optioned for a movie because they thought they were buying one thing and it wasn't. And she did lose the court case. Um, I don't really know that there's anything super unethical about using a pseudonym or whatever. And I think had she not done this whole charade with someone playing the character in public... She'd be
1: fine, maybe.
0: She never would have been found out. It would have been fine. The only thing that I think is kind of villainous is the trying man- to
1: get people to listen to that band
0: well yes <laughs> absolutely but also the call there was a lot of um, there's this big giant scam right which i don't think really hurt anybody but i think the manipulation because she basically was on the phone 24 7 talking to people and becoming part of these people's lives, and these people think that they have a relationship yeah. with this kid, and they're worried about this kid, and, and they're, they're sending, buying
1: gifts and things. Yeah, know?
0: they're sending money and gifts and stuff to this kid, and it's not true. And it, some didn't of them, it's kind
1: se- of. I'm sorry to interrupt, but she, didn't she kind of threaten or, or sort of hint at blackmailing a guy about like uh pedophile stuff? So too? she
0: did. I will get to that. Yeah. Um. So you know this sort of thing where it would be like i feel so alone i'm gonna go kill myself like and saying that to someone who like loves and cares about you is like it's just cruel it's like cruel manipulation but then yeah she would call these people who felt fatherly or like mentorly towards her as jt and she would say i just want to be spanked like I'm so sad and I want to die. But if you would just tell me like how much you want to spank me or, you know, because I'm bad and I deserve it. And these people were like, I didn't really know what to say. I'm like talking to this lost soul who's feeling so bad and I want to give him what he wants. So I'm like, yeah, I'll spank you. And then after that, you know, she threatened to like blackmail me or would use that to manipulate me and be like, this isn't like. A pedophile thing one of the authors she was writing to you know said he just felt fatherly towards her like he's an old queer dude he's talking to a young queer dude he's like feels like mentorly and then quote unquote jt calls the next day and is like i talked to my therapist about you and my therapist says you want to fuck me and i want you to know that this is not a sexual relationship and he's like whoa 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 like you know and so it's like he wiggled his way into people's hearts and lives and made them care about him and was really volatile to them and played with their emotions for really no reason like that doesn't really get you anywhere that's not just like literary social climbing yeah it's it's just for fun you're just for fun doing it
1: that's not just like being punk rock or whatever because in that uh cult of jt leroy documentary she's doing taking pictures and things afterwards and and she's like yeah what do you think about what I did and they were like well as long as the work stands I just like the work and she's like oh that that makes me happy to hear you say that and she's just like I mean I'm punk you know this is what I do this is what being punk rock is about and to me I'm going well yeah but other than the fact that you've been lying to these people which you had personal relationships that's not punk that's that's you manipulative and shitty
0: well yeah and her personal narrative fluctuates between she says like well I wrote books because no one told me I couldn't like I you know I did what I had to do to make my art and that's very punk rock like working with what you have and like you know being like having like a self-establishment of art creation or whatever but At the same time, then she's saying, oh, I did all this manipulative stuff to break into the mainstream and to social climb. So like, which are you? Are you a punk rock outsider creating art on your own terms? Right. Or are you a literary social climber who wants to follow in the footsteps of Dennis Cooper and whomever? And so you're actually reaching out to them for help writing your work and using their connections to make it in the mainstream literary world. Because those are two different things. Right. You know, writing, self-publishing, distributing zines. There's one thing. But what you did was like, blatant social climbing which i'm also if you know and admit that that's what you're doing that's also fine yeah because i as some of the other authors in it said like you know i think the the contra some of the controversy in the literary world comes from the fact that we've all done things like this to one degree or another to get ahead and we don't like to admit that that's what we did or why we did it. was the guy
1: that even ratted her out stephen beach or whatever his name is um yeah he He even kind of admitted that that's like something, basically saying we wish we could have pulled that off.
0: Yeah, and so I think that's the thing is you often hate things that like that most resemble you. Yeah, and it's why you know especially girls have such issues with their mothers is because we're for the most part like we're a lot like our mothers and like that's it's like oh mom ugh why and it's especially you and Deborah. Well, yeah. Oh my God, (laughs) you know, uh, but. So it's something – it's often the things that repulse you are the th- – it's the things you see most in yourself. Right. The, the anti-gay, you know, religious and political people are always the ones that are closeted gay. And right. it's why they they have such a repulsed reaction to it. So for people in the literary world who have done stuff on a smaller scale to to, you know, manipulate their way to the top, they're the ones who are like, oh, my God, this is so wrong. And yeah. I think it was – um, I think it was good to hear that guy say, like, "Yeah, but we—it's because we don't want to admit that we've done,
1: yeah, done things." But like then this. he still ratted ratted her out.
0: Yeah, well, <laughs> because know? yeah, he—I think he had when he was ratting her out, he had this uh, emotional reaction where it's like, "This is a fraud! What the fuck is happening? I'm gonna figure it out." And but then the, in hindsight, he's able to look at it and go, "You know, I've done some social climbing stuff myself."
1: Sure, but then what makes No sense is that George slash Aster also kind of ratted her out too because they had broken up. So now he decides he wants to come clean. But before he was reaping all the benefits of this.
0: Yeah, when they were still together, he was along for the ride, you know, or he stayed with her in hopes of getting his music career off the ground. And then the minute the story breaks, it was I think a month or two after she was outed. He broke up with her and then went to the press to talk about it because it's like, oh, you were totally okay with what was happening as long as there was a chance that it could help your music career. But now that that's off the table, you're breaking up with her. And he was saying, you know, it hurt him that he wasn't in the publishing deals because he thought of them as partners and whatever. And it's like. Yeah, dude, but like you didn't write the books.
1: You didn't, he didn't do shit.
0: You just went along for the ride. And 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 he's like, but we're like a partner. And it hurt to be like, why am I not getting any money for this?
1: (laughs) Right. It's like, no, you get to talk to Billy Corrigan and that's it, buddy. (laughs) Uh, And you get to go to cool parties or whatever. But yeah, so then it showed him working on some. Uh, screenplay and he was reading the parts and, and he goes, uh, Jeff nah, that's me. goes why are you doing this Laura? This is wrong. Just stop it already. And then he's like reading for her and she's like well, I th- it cuts off, but it's, it's just everything. like typical of anybody that's involved in something wrong where they're going to make it out to seem like they're going, stop this. And then the other person's going, oh, fuck you. I don't care about the rules. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Uh, so that was kind of funny. But of course, he's trying to still at this point, I suppose it's not that long ago. It's like 10 years 10 yeah. or so years ago. But yeah, he's trying to cash in on it, which isn't dumb because... Um, Savannah sort of. Yeah, spun Savannah
0: it. made some money off but of it. She's apparently. A, I want to say she is apparently a very successful uh, multimedia and installation artist now, which is interesting. And so I think the experience of playing JT was probably very. In, like, she probably was able to approach it with an artistic perspective. And um, I, it's interesting knowing that she is a successful artist.
1: She's at least a good actress, right? Mm-hmm. Actor, mm-hmm. actress. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But Jeff, yeah, I don't know that he brought in. And he's the person that we're least interested in. And at least I am. I mean, when I see it, I go, okay. Uh, Laura, obviously you're curious, like, what the fuck were you thinking? And she's the one who's writing. So you might have some questions for her. But Savannah, who I still want to know more, I don't know that I want to know more so much that I might read her book, but...
0: I'll probably read it and get think it back so? to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, well, listen, I love a pulpy biography.
1: I do, too. I guess I just, a lot of times I will go on Goodreads and see what the reviews are. And they, it's, it's at like a three... I think is what the rating was. And to me, that says that it's not a good book. It's it's just I wish, you know, sometimes I'm like, well, let me check it out and make up my mind for myself. But with that, I I was just like, oh, this is all signs are pointing to don't waste your fucking time. And you just saw the movie basically yeah so i'll
0: I'll read it it'll be a good stairmaster read and we'll do an update
1: hopefully a short one right so yeah yeah. listen
0: based on the size of my thighs it can be a long stairmaster read i don't give a fuck (laughs) if it's interesting enough to keep me walking on that stairway to nowhere
1: yeah yeah um but but yeah i'm interested in her side of things because she got to hang out with a bunch of celebrities and do a bunch of things that laura wasn't able to yeah so uh, and they don't have any interviews. The only interviews you see in the movie is like her at press conferences or not press, whatever.
0: I, I want to the... know more about her feelings and interactions with Aja because it's yeah, it's shown in the movie, the Laura Dern movie, that like she was in love with Aja and kept like agreeing to play JT again just to spend more time with Aja Argento. Right, and so I want to hear about her number one I love a one-sided romance so I want to hear about like her feelings and what she thought was happening and then sort of the like yeah I want to hear how that went yeah. Um, but yeah I don't know I recommend probably watching author the JT Leroy story first and then because the tapes are amazing just That's, watch
1: everything in order
0: yeah well I don't know that that one is has all the tapes which is, makes for a great documentary and then the cult of JT Leroy I think is a little more even-sided the Laura Dern movie, honestly, take or leave it. It's not that
1: great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I just meant if you're gonna watch all three, just do it in order. We watched it a little out of order because we watched uh, cult whatever cult the cult came out J- first did, co- did it.
0: Yeah, it came oh, out first. Okay, so so we
1: watched it way out of order then. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, we watched that last, uh, which I was fine with. It wasn't like it ruined any. You know what no, I mean? I
0: no, I think it's good to watch second. I think watch author first and watch that one second. Okay.
1: Yeah, I'm with that. That's what yeah. I was thinking. But that is also because I thought that was the order of it. But yeah, the Laura Dern movie. Yeah, watch the documentaries and then it's up to you if you're still interested in it and how they pull it off. I uh, I like the score. There are definite elements I liked about the movie. Um, I thought Laura Dern, she's great and everything. Yeah, I know you want to fuck her. I do, and I get to fuck her lookalike, so it's awesome. Yeah, you yearn Uh, for Dern. I yearn for Dern. Um, so and then, uh, Kristen Stewart.
0: She did a great acting job, I think.
1: Except for when it came to the sex scenes, where she was like riding his belly button chest. Yeah, and then there were a few other – oh, and then when she was driving and she was just staring and talking to Laura Dern in the eyes, the passenger of the car, for like three minutes straight. And I just go, eyes on the road. <laughs> yeah,
0: Zach was super stressed during that scene because he's like, she's not looking at the road. Well, it's just bad
1: acting. I mean, it, but anyway, no, she was she was fine in it. I thought uh, Savannah was actually – Cuter, I th- I thought. Yeah, she's um, very cute. But that's not a knock on it. That's just my opinion. Um, yeah, she she was she was fine. Um, and the movie, it yeah. What what did you think about it?
0: I already said it's not worth watching. Oh,
1: it's not. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you don't have to jump down my throat. Right I'm just
0: now. saying you like the the Zoom recorder is listening to what I'm saying, but you're not.
1: I'm not. It's tough, you know. Um. Yeah, I would say watch the two documentaries and and then make your own decision. But, yeah. Yeah.
0: But yeah, it's a wild ride. And everyone that I had recommended when an author came out, everyone I recommended watch it was like, I can't believe you made me watch that shit. That was the craziest shit I've ever seen. Like they were mad because it was so fucking bananas. And I was like, Yeah, I know.
1: It's it's a great documentary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that one, would you say you like that one more than Cult?
0: It's a better documentary mm-hmm. in terms of production value. Yeah, It is not as even keeled. That's why you watch them both. It's like the fire documentaries. right? They cover the same topic, but you get a different story from each you, one. And
1: you do need both. And yeah. that's the way I feel about these documentaries. Yeah, uh-huh. you, you need both. Um, If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to check at least one of them out because... You must be aware of it
0: And then we gotta talk about it You can DM me, you know, and we'll chat it up Yeah um, So, yeah, uh, happy hump day, everyone
1: Yes, happy hump day
0: Whoop, whoop
1: Whoop, whoop